If you were part of Student Life Camp as a camper, a leader, um, just part of that whole experience and you're in this room, would you stand? That is your group. Look at that. To God be the glory. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Wow. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I, on behalf of Student Ministries, um, I would like to personally thank all of you who entrusted your kids uh, to this great team and this camp. Also, those of you who just uh, invested with your prayers and also your financial gifts to help a lot of these kids go to camp who otherwise would not have been able to go. Uh, all of that came together um, to create this magnificent experience where I think we had at least four or five teenagers give their lives to Christ during student life camp. So we're so thankful to God be the glory. Amen. And we are going to be celebrating that in various forms um, throughout these next several weeks. But ultimately on August 2nd, we're going to have baptism uh, Sunday and uh, these kids that made a decision for Christ will be joining others from our congregation um, and kind of following the Lord in water baptism. So it's going to be a great day. And so be a part of that. Make sure that you're here and prayerfully um, come alongside these kids. It's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. I want to invite you, if you would, this morning, if you have a copy of the scriptures, to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. We are in transition. And God can work remarkably and has worked remarkably during times of transition. David in Psalm 11, he he cries out. It was a particularly difficult time of transition in his kingdom brought on by the actual rebellious kind of coup of his own son Absalom. But yet David cried out, when the foundations are moving, what shall the righteous do? I love that question. When it feels as if the foundations are kind of moving beneath us, when there's a certain degree of uncertainty surrounding future things, like during times of transition, David asks the question, what shall the righteous do? And we're going to look over these last kind of final weeks together, four actually, leading up to August 2nd, which will be our last Sunday here with you at First Baptist North. We're going to look at four scenarios from the Word of God, that describe how God worked faithfully and powerfully during times of transition in the lives of God's people. And we're going to focus in particularly on his provision during times of transition. The first story that we're going to see this morning is the transition from Moses to Joshua, a very critical juncture in the life and ministry of God's people, the nation of Israel. Second, next Sunday, we're going to look at this transition, and it's pretty bizarre. It's kind of the stuff of movies, actually, the transition from the ministry of Elijah to the ministry of Elisha. And it is, it is an amazing story. You don't want to miss that. It's a crazy, crazy, mysterious story. And then we're going to see in the New Testament this wonderful bridge that Jesus created as he transitioned. He actually leaves the planet, Jesus, and he goes on to another ministry at his Father's right hand. And he transfers the mantle of this work of the gospel to the 12 disciples. It's a great story. And then finally we'll see towards the end of the New Testament and the end of the Apostle Paul's life and ministry, how he very graciously and faithfully transfers the mantle of ministry to Timothy and those that remain. But here in this story, 
Deuteronomy chapter 34, we see the end of one ministry and the beginning of a new. And the transition in Israel at this juncture came about as a result of the death of Moses. It was his time. By the way, there are usually very valid reasons for ministry transitions. Some are natural, like this. Moses was at the end of his days. He he died. He took his last breath. Others are, are just clearly of the Lord, and they're mixed with natural and supernatural Uh, situations. Others are more man-made. They are of flesh. They are often hard to watch. They are fraught with conflict and the stuff of selfish ambition. And and they they often result in a lot of damage. But transition, particularly in the lives and ministry of God's people, is a natural part of the journey. It is part of the relationship between how God works and speaks into the purposes and plans for his people. And what we find in all of these scenarios, the thread of consistency, first and foremost, is the faithfulness and the provision of God for his people. The second we see is that the only reliable guide for seeking the Lord and understanding his ways is his word. His word, his spirit as it is revealed to us in his word. And we are not surprised That at times of transition, God is all over it. Transition is important to God. And so he was sovereignly gracious to speak to us to those times through the ministry of his word. And this is one of those times. In this story, God speaks and he shows us how he works, how he supplies, how he prepares his people for such unique times. And from this passage, I'd like to highlight a few biblical principles that I, I, I hope and pray will guide and direct all of us during this very real time of transition. Let me just kind of begin this story. It starts towards the beginning of, of, of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5. It says, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, just as the Lord had said. This was no surprise to God. This transition was in the mind and heart of God long before it was ever in the mind and heart of God, or the mind and hearts of Moses and his people. The scripture says that Moses died there in Moab just as God had ordained. God had this moment in time for his people already in his mind and heart. He was already at work preparing and providing for this moment, according to the scriptures. And it was the time of Moses' death. It's remarkable. None of this ever catches God by surprise. Often it does us, but it never does the Lord. He is never back on his heels, fretting and worrying about how everything is going to work out. That that is often our response in times of uncertainty and truth. It's never God's response. The scriptures make plain. God knew, God knew that this was going to happen and he was already there. I want you to see first and foremost that God himself describes Moses in a very unique way. And it's the first principle that I want us to see from this story about God's provision in times of transition. He refers to Moses as the servant of the Lord. 
the servant of the Lord. Listen, God's person in times of transition is a servant first and a leader second. Moses was the servant of the Lord. We used to describe it this way. He was God's man. A servant first. God's person that he calls and uses is always formed and trained in the crucible of serving. Moses was called the servant of the Lord, not the servant of men. He was not the servant of the times. He was not the servant of popularity. He was not the servant of culture. He was not the servant of money. He was not the servant of power and influence or some sort of um, agenda. He is described as the servant of the Lord. How consistent all throughout the word of God do we see this? The apostles in their great letters to the church that have become so much a part of the fabric of our faith could have so easily invoked their position, rightful as apostles. At times, they had to in a certain degree, but rarely did they, and they often refer to themselves as servants, bond slaves of Christ Jesus, their Lord. And even the Lord Jesus himself declared, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Moses was the servant of the Lord. Genuine servant-hearted ministry and leadership is learned and it's forged through a life of profound obedience and the crucible of serving. If you go back and read the narratives in Exodus and how Moses' life began and how God called him out of obscurity, you see how remarkable this story was. He was taken from the portals of Egypt's elite. He was the prince of Egypt. And having become a fugitive by his own doing, ruining his life as a murderer, he was now a condemned criminal and a fugitive and wandered the desert of Midian. And there he becomes a servant of a sheep farmer, actually marries one of his daughters, and he serves that man and his flock for 40 years. 40 years. From the prince of Egypt to becoming a hired hand, working for his father-in-law, tending someone else's flock for 40 years. But in that time, in that process, God is at work forging and forming within a man a remarkable ability for usefulness to be an instrument of grace. Moses was the servant of the Lord, but he had to learn that in the crucible of serving. Leonard Bernstein, famed conductor and composer of the New York Philharmonic, was asked by a young reporter on one occasion, what is the most difficult instrument in the orchestra to play? Without hesitation, the great maestro replied, second fiddle. (laughs) I like that. Everybody wants to play first chair. Everybody wants to be the number one draft pick. Everyone wants to see the top six resumes. God wants to see a record of years spent willingly and humbly serving a second fiddle. That's when he says, now I can use someone like that. Moses was a servant of the Lord because God had a work in his life 
early on before he ever called him to this place of ministry. But then through those days, those years, those long years of leading God's people in the wilderness. And we are wise. Listen, we are wise as God's people, as the church, in times of transition to follow God's lead. It's in the crucible of serving. It's in, it's in the journey of waiting. It's in, the, it's in the times of hardship and failure and trial and submission that God prepares a man to serve his people. Moses learned he wasn't born, but he learned to be a servant of the Lord. Listen, if, if, if you are here today and you are given to a rigidity and a demanding spirit and a judgmental kind of heart toward others and the work of God in their lives, I, I just want to say to you, you, you do not know the Lord deeply enough. And you are extremely limited in your usefulness to him. Until like Moses, you have learned the grace and goodness of servant-hearted ministry in the valley. Now there's a second part of this story that I, th I think is really helpful. And I, I want you to go back to the scriptures. Look, look at what, what the scriptures say. Verse 6, Deuteronomy 34, he buried him in Moab. That's pretty final, isn't it? <laughs> he's, he's in the ground. He's not coming back. You know what? I've changed my mind. I think I'm going to go another 40 years. I'm back. No, that, he's buried. You understand that? This is final, okay? And there's a period, it says in the scriptures, um, after he was buried, he was a little bit about his life, 120 years old. He, his eyes were still strong. His strength wasn't gone. And Israel grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning. There's an appropriate season of, of feeling a sense of loss and grieving in these times of transition when they're of the Lord. It's appropriate, but, but, that, but that comes to an end, and God continues his work. Look at verse 9, says, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. This is the second principle, and that's God's plan for transition is revealed out of a season of prolonged and deliberate ministry investment. I love this passage because it speaks to the way God works. Joshua is this individual who is filled with the spirit of wisdom. This is not natural wisdom. This is supernatural wisdom. That's what that expression means. It's a spirit of wisdom that can only come from God, and he's filled with that knowledge and that skill base because Moses laid hands on him. Now, that's a literal expression, but in the Hebrew, it's idiomatic. It, it more has to do with a long, deliberate process as Joshua came alongside Moses and Moses laid hands on him during the time of his ministry and his leadership. That's why Joshua is prepared for this moment. That's why he's filled with the spirit of wisdom. It says, because... Moses had laid his hands on him. He had marked his life. And it's a way of God. How does the spirit of wisdom befall a young man? 
It doesn't. It is given him. It is conferred. It is drawn. It is received. It's a way of God. Through a process that God ordains. The Spirit of God through the process of years. This is supernatural wisdom. Joshua had flanked Moses for years in the wilderness. He watched Moses manage the grumblings and the, and the ebbs and flow of the responses and reactions of God's people. How valuable that would have been for him as he watched Moses, not in perfect form, but in faithful, steady form, respond and turn to God and turn to the scriptures and, and receive and somehow respond in a way that was honoring to the Lord and to his people. Joshua had a front row seat to all of those interactions with God. He surely listened in on God and Moses at times as Moses appealed to the God of heaven to spare Israel and not destroy them. And most importantly, he willingly and humbly served Moses all those years. Look at the beginning of Joshua, just a page over in your scriptures, or maybe it's right next door, depending on the version. Look at how this narrative begins. Joshua 1 verse 1, after the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, there's that again, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, watch this, Moses' what? Servant. He got it. You're my man. He learned that. There were no primaries, no caucuses. This was no election season. This was God's work. There was no bruja leading the bruja heights on some kind of alternate plan. No, this was God. It's His work. His spirit, His word, His man overseeing and leading His people. That's how He works. He was filled with the spirit of wisdom because he'd been there in the trenches. He learned the steady discipline of submission and obedience. He learned what it meant to be second fiddle. Listen, beware the prospect who shows little or no evidence of a humble record of servant-hearted submission to another for a prolonged period of time. My encouragement to you would be to go a long way around that. By the way, except in a single occasion, we never hear of Joshua. The only other time is Numbers 14 where he shined with Caleb and came back from the land and tried to encourage God's people. Don't be afraid. God's got this. He's all over this. We can take this land. That was Joshua. That's the only other time we hear about it. I think that's a good thing until now. filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. Man, I tell you what, I've, I, I'm so thankful and I want never to take for granted the four or five people that poured their life into my 
my life and soul prepared me for, for ministry. They gave it up selflessly, faithfully, just pouring into my life. They kind of brought me along, gave me opportunities, kind of let me work with the net. <laughs> they just, it, was all, it was all for this deposit, and that's how God works. That's how he works. And that's how he will work. He is faithful to his people, especially in times of transition. Well, finally, I want you to see how this story ends because it's, it's, it's not only God, it's his word, it's his spirit, and it's man, but it's also his people that are so critical in this time of transition. Look what happens. Verse 7, Moses was 120 years old. When he died, his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone, but he's gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him, and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, is that magnificent or not? Listen, in times of transition, God quietly and deliberately prepares his people to follow the leading of his spirit through the spiritual authorities, the leadership that's already in place. Is that magnificent or what? The Israelites listened to him. They did what the Lord commanded Moses. They followed the lead of God. As God worked and led Moses, he worked through and would lead Joshua. And the response of the people was to listen to God. They didn't talk, they listened. They heard the voice of the Lord. They had become attuned to his voice through the ministry of Moses. And so they followed that lead. How faithful is the Lord at this critical place to provide for his people. He had already started providing for them long before they ever faced this transition. That's how he works. The Israelites, God bless them, they listened to him. How many times? The whole book of Exodus, numbers, the first three quarters of Deuteronomy is about those times when the Israelites didn't listen to God. Man, they finally learned, we're going to listen this time. And we're going to trust him. Praise his name. It's how God works. He's faithful to his people in times of transition. Listen, God has a way. It ebbs and flows. There's an enormous amount of goodness and mercy and, and freedom and flexibility as settings and cultures and personalities change, but he has a way. He has his principles of how he ordains and works and leads us in our lives. He, he ultimately is the sovereign head of all of our lives. That's why he spoke and he continues to speak through the ministry of his word and now he has spoken to us in the person of his son. But the principles for how he leads and speaks have never changed. God is the head, and through his spirit and through his word, he leads. And he calls and appoints individuals to oversee his people. And it is through that ministry, not perfect, but genuine and authentic, 
that he carries out his wonderful purposes and plans for the people of God. And by the way, it's not a bad way to live your life either. It's not a bad way to run your family. As God is the head. His ways and purposes and plans are plain and clear for us. And we follow what he has ordained, what he has established for us in the role of husband and wife and children. We follow his lead and we submit and we listen to God. And my parents weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. And because of that, I'm not perfect. But God has ordained that somehow in the mystery and brokenness and frailty and rhythm of that experience, God spoke through the ministry of my father and mother down into my life. That's how it works. He has authorities in our lives, and it is through that mantle of authority that he speaks. He speaks to me. He speaks to you. Christ is the head of this church, and he has ordained and appointed men as overseers of this work, just like Moses. Not perfect, but they are his men and they are filled with the spirit of wisdom and they have an understanding of the scriptures and their role is to guard and nurture the flock of God and lead his people in times of transition. And my encouragement to you is to listen to God through these men. how he works three principles and we'll be done three-ish number one God knew long before we did that we would be in this time so let's trust him and believe that he's already been at work God knew long before we did that we would be in this time, so let's trust him and believe that he's already been at work. Second, let's resist the urge to speak and rather willingly and humbly listening, listen to his gracious voice. Let's resist the urge to speak and rather willingly and humbly listen to his voice. Let's all together seek the Lord, open his word, and listen for his spirit. He will be faithful. third, final. Let's rely and lean fully on him and the resources he has provided to us, just like in Moses, just as we'll see in 2 Kings chapter 2. He is faithful and we see in the, 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 the transfer of mantle from Jesus to the disciples and at the end of the New Testament from Paul to Timothy and others. He has been faithful to provide us for all, with all the resources that we need to trust him in times of transition. He has given us his spirit. He has given us his word and he has provided for us spiritual overseers to guide this work. Those are the resources of heaven that he has given to us just as he did long ago and he will continue to do long into the future.
And let me say, God has an unbelievably reliable record of success. If that's what you need, he's got it. We can trust him. You can trust him. Because he has proven himself to faithfully supply for his people in times of transition. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your ministry of overseeing this work. Pray, O oh God, that Christ will be exalted, that your people will be encouraged and built up in the spirit of Christ. We ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen.